Now it's time to get all set for Sunday with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, your favorite podcast to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. Number one Catholic, in there. Number one Catholic podcast done by Jeff Trailer and Scott Williams <laughs> exactly. in, the, in the United States. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jeff, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm excited. It's a, Why? Because we've got a solemnity this week, and that's kind of exciting. Hey, uh, we've talked about this several times in the past, about what um, takes you know precedence. And this, this, is, this is the solemnity of all saints, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah, nothing we'll, like... We'll have to, nothing like we'll have a, to bunch ask of, a canon lawyer. Nothing like a bunch of ordinary time for us to talk about upcoming solemnities. <laughs> Father Tim Wichiscala is joining us today. Father Tim, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Now, when you introduce yourself, do you say that I'm Father Wichiscala or I'm Father Tim? I'll, when somebody asks you what you prefer. I have it pretty well down. I say, hi, my name is Father Tim Wichiscala, but you can call me Father Tim. Because no one no one can say Wichiscala except for my family and friends. I think for a period of time, just to do some A-B testing, you should um, say, hi, my fa- my name's Father Tim Wichiscala. You can call me Father Wichiscala. <laughs> yeah, people react. Or I'll just say, my name's Father Wichiscala. And if they say, what's your first name? I'll just say Father. <laughs> <laughs> tell, well, them I, can, Father they, tell, tell them if they can spell your last name, they can call you Father Tim. <laughs> that, that, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> can you spell it, Jeff? Uh, yeah. Go. W Y. C-I-S-K-A-L-L-A. I have and zero doubt that my name is sitting there right in front of him right now. And he no, it's not. It. <laughs> I've just worked with you enough. <laughs> but that, that was I've correct. had to write it enough. And that, you are my pastor, so I should know true. how to spell your that's name. True. But that was very well done. Good job, Jeff. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, we're getting all set for the solemnity of All Saints today. Jeff, do you want to take us through the two-minute drill? I would love to do that. The Solemnity of All Saints. This is exciting. We've been in like 32 weeks, I think. Last week was the 32nd week of Ordinary Time. And so it's nice to break it up a little bit. Um, and I've always found All, Sa- All Saints has always been one of my favorite feast days. So I was very excited about this. But Solemnity of All Saints, our first reading comes from Revelations. Always a little exciting when we get into Revelations. Because we all know it's going to be a little trippy and a little crazy, but a lot awesome. So. Uh, <laughs> Revelations chapter 7 this week. John has a vision. I know, weird in Revelations. Um, And he tells us that one angel is crying out to four other angels. This sounds like my wife when she tells me about her dreams. She has weird dreams, and she always wants to tell me about them. And I always have to try to stay engaged. But, like, they're so crazy. But anyway, John's like, so one angel yells at four angels and tells them, hey, don't wipe everything out yet. We got to mark the 144,000. And I know that becomes a number that a whole lot of people and a whole lot of different uh, faith traditions have held on to in many strange ways. Then he has a different vision. And all of a sudden, everybody's in white. And there's people of all races and all backgrounds. And they're all in white. And they're bowing down before the Lord. Um, And then then somebody asked John who these people are. And John's like, I don't know who they are. Ask God. He would know. And then God says, that they are his chosen ones and that um, and he praises them for it. They're the ones who survived. That's are we still in the first reading? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, it, it was an exciting one, though. Glad you. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, responsorial Psalm this week. 
again, is one that I had to read multiple times, and I'm going to read it directly, not as I wrote it, because the, the wording seems weird. But, Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. And I would have thought it was long to see your face, but it's longs to see your face. This is the people that longs to see your face. Um, second reading this week comes from the first letter of John. Um, and in one John here, he says, we're the children of God because we know God. And the world doesn't quite know God yet, but we know God. And that's important. And we don't know really what we're going to be and what God wants for us. But we do know God. And because we know God, we should hope to know him more purely and to be pure because of that. That's it. That's the first letter of John there. Second reading. And then we get into the gospel. This one's a real banger. Um, a well-known passage. A well-known gospel. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thanks, Jeff. So I, we were just talking before the before we started recording about about voting and early voting. So I, I, I stayed in line at the polls for three and a half hours for early voting on uh, the other day, and I I came up to somebody that had like a handful of pamphlets, and I was excited because they were kind of awkward about talking to me. And that's always my favorite. And she goes, do you live on the east side or the west side of Long's Donuts, which is a donut shop in Southport, the uh, Indiana donut shop, the donut shop. Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, I live west of Long." Oh, she goes, well, you're not in the right district for me to talk to you. I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I guess I should move. I, if I, if, if that's the case. But I, I think included in this gospel, gospel should be blessed are those that work at polling sites for, for theirs is the kingdom of God. God bless them. They, they, they did a wonderful job. Father Tim, um, you've made me aware that you have not voted yet, which is fine. But, you know, perhaps you have prepared for this Sunday's homily. What, uh, what are you thinking about preaching about I this have. weekend? So I've not voted, but I've tried twice. It's just that the lines have been... Uh, well, I would guess to be more than three hours, so I will probably just go ahead and vote on election day. Anyhow, for the readings this weekend, as Jeff said, it is, it's all saints. Now, technically, Jeff said we have a solemnity this weekend, which was correct, but we have a solemnity every weekend. Every Sunday is a solemnity. So <laughs> you, you should really be that excited every single Sunday. And this comes to Father Tim's favorite part of the podcast, <laughs> where he tells me I'm wrong. No, you were right about everything else. And you were right that there was a solemnity this Sunday. It's just that we always have solemnities on Sundays. Yeah, this just happens to be one of the rare ones that takes the place of Sunday if it falls on a Sunday. Um, and so All Saints is this Sunday, those readings. 
wonderful readings, 144,000, which as Jeff said, it's an important number. That does not mean in our belief that only 144,000 people, thank God, are going to be saved. What it means, that's just a way biblically of talking about the multitudes. 12 is a number of completion or fullness. That's why there's 12 tribes of Israel. There's 12 apostles. So 12 times 12, 144 is that sort of you know, fullness of the fullness. And then 144,000 is their way of saying tons and like an uncountable number, multitudes of people, which, oh. is, which is positive. It's hopeful. It's more hopeful than saying only that many of all the billions and billions of human beings, only 144,000 will make it. I mean, not surprising but, that I'm a dummy, but I just thought it was like they were just trying to use a big number. I should have no, known better than that. Like all the numbers are really significant. In the exactly. Bible. Especially That's in the book of Revelation. The highest one I could think of. Especially in, in, in the book of Revelation, numbers are important. But that, that yeah, I imagine particularly. it was a kid who was like, it was like, what's the biggest number you can think of? And they were like 144,000. Well, what about 145,000? That's even <laughs> bigger. No. So they use that number to show us an uncountable multitude, basically. But, you know, on, on All Saints Day, there's, there's kind of two things that, I typically like to preach on. You can go in one of two directions. You can use it as a chance to sort of talk about the Catholic Church's superheroes and, you know, like, look at all these examples we have. These are real life superheroes, not comic books. These are real people who did real things and inspire us, you know, and, and in one sense, this is like a, a way to do that all at once. Who's your favorite what? Catholic superhero, Father? My favorite saint, is that what you said? Your favorite Catholic superhero. My favorite Catholic superhero, eh, mine's Thomas Aquinas because I like I always liked studying him in seminary. But there's so many; it's hard. It really is hard to choose. I probably could have a different saint every week, and um, especially right now, I think when we need, you know, that's that's the way I'm going to go this time because I went the other way last time, which I'll explain in a minute. But I'm going to talk about you know our great examples that we need people to look up to, and the world provides us so so few of those. Um, and so the church gives us lots. The other way that, that you can go, and this is where I went uh, this past year, it's only my second All Saints Day at St. Mark, but this past year is to talk about the fact that, yes, we have canonized saints in the church and they get their own feast days and we celebrate them all throughout the year. And they did amazing, heroic and awesome things. The, the fact they're canonized usually means that they were famous or at least well-known and that what they did was extraordinary in the sense that it, you know, that it was seen and visible and great. And that's awesome. But as I always say, like, I'm kind of a, I myself am kind of a wuss. And sometimes when I hear about these heroic martyrs, or I hear about all these incredible things, I think, man, I'm probably never going to have my own feast day in the church, except for November 1st, because November 1st is for all the saints. That means everyone in heaven, not just the canonized saints. So if I ever have a feast day one day, I hope it to be November 1st. <laughs> which is the, the multitude of the unknown that are known only to God. You know, Scott, and, can I tell you yeah. something funny? Yes. Uh, it's funny that Father Tim says he doesn't think he's ever going to have his own feast day because he was once having dinner at my house. And as my daughters picked up his dishes, he said, you might want to hold on to those. Those could be third degree relics someday. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently, exactly. His opinion has changed. <laughs> My opinion of myself varies from week to week, so I must have been having a good week that day. So t today, do we celebrate un like unofficially canonized saints of the church, or just ones that don't have particular feast days? Well, so it's all the saints on November first, not just so it's everyone in the church triumphant, everyone in heaven, even those who don't have their own feast days. 
The church, Got it. And then the, the next day is... Yes, that's All Souls, all Souls Day, Souls. in which we are commemorating and praying for the dead. Think of it this way. November 1st, All Saints Day, which is this Sunday, is to celebrate and acknowledge the church triumphant, the church in heaven. All Souls Day, the next day, is to remember and commemorate the church suffering or the church expectant or the church penitent, whatever you want to call it, the church in purgatory. So the dead. So it it's a requiem mass. It's a day in which we are praying for those who, who have died because we are assisting them with our prayers to, to finalize their purification to go to heaven. So, so that's why the colors on All Souls Day, I wear black to distinguish it from the white that I wear on All Saints Day. You can also wear purple and you're also allowed to wear white. Those three colors are what you can wear at, at a funeral. So All Souls Day mass is sort of like a general what we used to call a, a requiem mass, like a general funeral mass for all who have died. What is requ- requi- requiem? Is, it's just the Latin word for rest, specifically to like the rest of the dead. So okay. requiem and pace was RIP, requ- you know, rest and peace. Oh. Yeah. That's why RIP existed before English ever was even popular. But yeah, it's, it's the church's... So, a requiem mass was a mass for the dead. We don't really use that term anymore, even though it's now we just call it like a mass for the Christian faithful departed or something like that. But Christian rite of burial. Right. Okay. Um, and did you say everything that you wanted to say about what you're preaching on this weekend? So this weekend, as I said, I will preach on, you know, smooth, smooth transition. The fact that. that we need the fact that we need people to look up to in this world and that the the popular culture does not really provide us that the church provides us that men and women who, because of their faith, lived lives of heroic virtue. And all of us can do that. Basically, that's my that's my homily this weekend. Love it. The um, have you ever been and this is going somewhere, I promise. Have you ever watched like college sports? or pro sports and you like you have a, a moment of realization that everyone that's playing right now is younger than you and that you're <laughs> yes i yeah it, it, that happened to me like in my mid-20s especially college sports where i was like man i've graduated from college i'm older than all these people now <laughs> this is where i realize how much older than you guys i am because that's the realization i have nowadays with professional sports <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost every there. professional athlete minus like Tom Brady and Drew Brees are older than me. <laughs> I'm getting there, but yeah. So go ahead. But well, I was, I, I had a similar sentiment when I realized that blessed Carlo Atticus, Atticus, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but I know you're talking about the newer, the kid that was just, that was just canonized. Yeah. This guy was a kid and he, he beatified did incredible things and his, in his life, uh, and I, I think maybe he was like 15 when he died. 17. He was born in 1991, I believe. Right. And to me, that's just remarkable, but it also gives me hope and motivation to become a saint. And the thing I've been really fascinated by has been kind of the different variations of what, uh, you know, we might see on a holy card of blessed Carlo in the way that we depict saints. And I I think sometimes we, we see a lot of paintings on our church walls of different saints throughout history, kind of in their, um, you know, glorified way. But, and we see like St. Joseph, um, who was a carpenter and worked his butt off 
Um, but we, we see these images of St. Joseph um, that to me just aren't always r- relatable. Looking very and, regal and sort of angelic and yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, one of the things that I, I think that we don't do a great job of as church is just uplifting the moms and dads that are in heaven as well. And like, like who, who do, how do we motive, become more motivated to be saints like uh, the, the mothers and the fathers that have lived holy lives? And how can I emulate my life to be more like them? Exactly. And that's kind of, that goes to what I was talking about with the other way you can take this day is that we're acknowledging the the untold multitudes of people who lived, you know, simple lives as mothers and fathers and workers and were not well known in their lifetime, did not do anything that made them famous, but yet they still join even the canonized saints in the same end. And it is, I mean, it's a, it's a, so all saints day is of all the church's feast days is one of the most hopeful. I think, because it shows us that, you know, if we live our faith, if we do things that, that God, you know, that, that we're called to do, then we too, everyone is supposed to become a saint, you know, not just religious, not just priest, you know, everyone, this, that, that newest saint you were talking about that was like 17, I think they're going to make him the patron saint of the internet because of his, much of what he did to evangelize was online and was um, through social media and such. And, but yeah, we have a, a saint who is, a, a beatified saint on his way to canonization who was born after all three of us in this, in this chat born way, way after Jeff and shortly after Scott and I. So it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty amazing to me. And Lord knows the internet could use a patron saint. That's true. Yes, it could. <laughs> Jeff, what are you thinking about this weekend? Well, right now I'm really hung up on. I, so I have always been, Father, you talked about like Catholic superheroes. I've always been as a as a theology teacher. This was always a conversation we would have in class that could get kids kind of excited. Is we would try to talk about like the saints as superheroes, but like leaning into popular culture right now, Father, I want to know who your top six. Who would be your Avengers? Your Catholic Avengers? How many Avengers uh, are there? There are six of the six of the original Avengers. Now there's like a thousand normal, but. You know, I think I would throw, you know, so let's say apart from the apostles and Mary, because that's obvious, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Mary would, she's sort of like the Samuel L. Jackson's character. She like, is it, she, she's above the Avengers in some way. She runs shield. <laughs> she it. runs shield. But yeah, whatever his name, Max Fury or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd put, I think Benedict, Dominic and Francis, the three great founders of the Benedictines, Franciscans and Dominicans. Thomas Aquinas, as I said, for your theologians, um, John Paul II, Mother Teresa, some modern saints for the modern world, you know, that speak to our, you know, the world today, that we should be not afraid of our faith, that we should see Christ in the poor. I think there's, there's so many you could choose from that they could rotate the Avengers every week and you'd have nope. an awesome, you'd have an awesome team. You nailed a group of six there and you even put a female in just like the Avengers. With oh, black perfect. widows, that's good Look work. At that. Look yeah, at that. yeah, that's. Perfect. I won't make you compare them to each of the original Avengers and figure <laughs> I, out who matches. I, I, I wouldn't be able to. I don't even Thor and uh, Iron Man are all I can think of right now of the actual yeah. Avengers. Uh, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and Hulk. Oh well, there you go. You can tell I don't watch I the Marvel movies that often. 
Yeah, yeah. I know nothing about what just happened, so I I've sort of checked out. For oh, a Mother Teresa was a saint. She was a woman who served the poor of Calcutta. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So I thought I'd fill you in there. Um. <laughs> jumping, jumping back to uh, married saints. Who would you say would be the most famous or someone I could go do research on to become a holier? husband and spouse yeah, there are uh, there are actually a fair number of married saints and there's a um there's a couple i don't know what, i don't know what it means to be a famous there's saint, a couple but... who was married and i believe they're beatified now they are the parents of uh, and the names are escaping me the boy that was martyred in the cristeros um uh, fight in mexico when they outlawed catholicism he was canonized like three years ago by pope francis i was there and I believe now his parents are beatified. Um, most famous married saint off the top of my head is, and I think especially for any parents out there who are praying for their children to remain faithful, is St. Monica, who is the mother of St. Augustine. Her son, she raised him Catholic. She did everything she could. When he left, when he left the home, he very, very, very much fell away from the church. He legitimately fathered a child. He joined a cult. He did all sorts of crazy things in the world. And she, whenever she's depicted as a saint, she's depicted crying and it was, you know, crying and praying. And it was through her fervent prayers that her son, that he, that finally grace broke into his heart. And then he became a bishop and one of our great theologians. Now that was 1600 years ago. So I'm sure there are more modern ones than St. Monica, but she's the most famous mother slash married saint other than Mary and Joseph that I can think of. Doesn't have to be, um, modern necessarily were you speaking of uh i can't remember his name either but the the guy that before he was murdered yelled viva christian yes yes and then they uh in mexico and they he's he's always depicted with barefoot because they make him they made him walk a certain distance after scourging his feet um I was at his canonization. I should know this. Did I ever tell you guys? I went to. I ever tell you guys uh, that I lived in Rome for a while, and I went to. The, I went to his canonization. <laughs> yeah, I was trying there. not to make fun of you for dropping that in there multiple times, but yes. Blessed Miguel. Uh, pro. Let's see. Um, yeah, I went to the the church where he either grew up or was buried in Mexico in, Gua- in uh, Mexico City when I went to visit. Uh, the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I got to go through some of the museums there. It was really, really interesting story. Yeah. So you're saying his parents are now? I believe his name beatified? is... I believe his name is... Jose uh, Ramon Miguel Augustine Pro Juarez. No, I'm looking at Jose Sanchez del Rio, Mexican Cristero, who was put to death because he refused to renounce the Catholic faith and he's young, like very um, young. Um, oh, okay. and his parents, I believe are beatified. I could have this, I could have dreamt this up, but there's something for you. I swear. I think, <laughs> I believe his parents are beatified. Look it up. I think he was not, the like one, the, oh, he was not the one who yelled Viva Cristo Ray, but well, yes. that was, that, that was just sort of the battle cry of the whole thing. I'm sure yeah, he yeah. did at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Father Tim can't be wrong. So he's sure at some point. <laughs> Now that we've spent the last five minutes, everybody Google. Yeah, this is a fascinating podcast uh, work here. (laughs) This is great radio. All right, let's move to dumb questions, Jeff. Now it's time for dumb questions. But I mean, if we're being honest here, 
Pretty much all of Scott and Jeff's questions are dumb. All right, Father, are you ready for dumb questions this week? All I am. All right. Here's my dumb questions. We got I got a whole series of them here for you. All, All right, right, Father. I have, Google, I have Google ready to go. Hit shoot. Okay. All right, uh, <laughs> Father. Does everyone go to heaven? Um, <clears throat> no. Nah, the short answer to that is probably not. No, but we don't. We believe that that anyone is called and can go to heaven, but um, we also believe that if someone chooses not to, chooses against God and dies with, with a mortal sin on their soul, then they do not go to heaven. God respects their choice, and they are what we call damned. They go to separation from God, which we call hell. This is a But there's not the opposite of uh, canonization, which would be like someone that's definitely Correct. In hell. The church will infallibly declare people in heaven, but has never, ever declared any human being, uh, to any human soul to be damned. Not even Judas, not even Hitler. The only you know, souls that are the only creatures that we definitively say are damned are the, are the demons, Satan and his, and his demons. So we, we hope, you know, there's a big debate in Catholicism in the, you know, in the 20th century, there was a a theologian, um, Hans Hans Ur von Balthasar, who wrote a book called dare we hope that all men be saved. And his point was, I think, yes, of course we hope that all, that everyone be saved. Everyone salvation is open to all. Um, but we are not what's the, in Catholicism. We are not uh, universal salvationists, which is the belief that eventually everyone goes to heaven, maybe after some time in hell, or there's no such thing as hell. And we do not believe that. We do believe in the four last things: death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Perfect. All right. That being said, that wasn't a dumb question at all, Jeff. That was a good question. Just wait. This, is this the dumb part now? Oh, it keeps going. Um, do. Father, will my pets go to heaven? Oh, now you're you're trying what to make I it. Should I tell my children about I, I, their dog? This is the point in which I, all the Roger. all the parents with their kids want to turn this down because no. So dogs d- dogs do not pets and animals do not have immortal souls, um, and so they they have material souls. They exist as living beings, but when they die, we do believe that they that they cease to exist. Now in the new now, that's a homily right there. In the new heaven and the new earth. That's what you should preach about on All Saints yeah. Day. You know he's not pets, a saint. All your dog. Not, and the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven is nonsense. Heretical nonsense. No, um, <laughs> we do believe that in the new heaven and the new earth, you know, at the new creation, when we are reunited with our bodies and everything is made, you know, is made as it was meant to be, that animals will exist. You know, so it won't just be human beings, but in some way, because they're a part of God's creation. So and just because they don't have souls doesn't mean that we should mistreat or abuse them. But but they're not created in the imago Dei, in the image of God, and they do not have immortal souls. So they don't have intellects. They don't have wills. They can't choose God. They just have natures that guide their actions. Gotcha. And treats. Treats guide my dog's and, actions. And mostly. treats, yes, because of its... It's natural desire to be fed. Yes. So back to non-pets. Uh, sometimes you'll hear people say when somebody passes away that God needed another angel. Uh, how, how do we know who becomes an angel? <laughs> so, well, we know that no one becomes an angel unless they were created an angel. But everyone becomes a saint. So think of this. We call 
Saint Michael, Saint Michael, even though he's not a human being, he's an angel, Saint Gabriel, Saint Raphael. And we call Saint Thomas and Saint Benedict saints because they're all citizens, they're creatures with intellects and wills who, who go to heaven, angels and human beings, not dogs, not dogs. So, but an angel is a spirit without a body. So does the word saint mean that they are in heaven? They just mean citizen of heaven, yes. Saint means chosen one who's in heaven. So saint is like American. Location. Yeah, saint is your status, yeah, your membership of the church triumphant. Yeah. Okay. Do so you think you get a card? A lapel like a pin? Probably, yeah. probably. A lapel pin? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was popular for a while for churches to have name tags and they would say saint so-and-so. Um, but the idea there is that you want to be a saint, but in fact, saints are those who are in heaven. Angels are saint. angels are spirits without bodies, and they were created that way. They can manifest themselves in an apparition, but they will never take on flesh. Human beings are a body-soul composite. When we die, our soul separates from our bodies, but that is a, a temporary state. The soul will be reunited with the body, at, whether you're in heaven or if you're damned. And angels, that will not be the case. They will always remain purely spiritual. But we are the privileged ones. Christ became man. He did not become an angel. That was part of the reason that that tradition tells us that Lucifer fell because he couldn't stand the idea that humanity would be exalted above the angels because of the incarnation. But if people want to think of their loved one, you know, as their guardian angel instead of their guardian saint, that's I don't I don't correct them. That's fine. It doesn't. It's just you don't semantics. correct them. It's just not right. It's just semantics at that point. <laughs> but it does. It, it does say that they will become like angels, right? Meaning that they will become scripture. Yeah, they will become like angels. They will join the choirs of of angels, but not but not angels, right? Okay. All right, Father. Let's talk eulogies. <laughs> oh do, Lord. Do some yeah. priests just not like eulogies? Well. I think probably if priests are being honest, no priest really likes eulogies just because it's a difficult time. They, um, you know, and you just never know what you're going to get. Uh, there are different spots in the liturgy in which a eulogy is allowed. And a lot of priests prefer it before mass, after mass, at the graveside. I don't know. That's a, that's a very loaded question. Eulogies are beautiful things because people get to say, you know, things that they want to say, but, I caution people at times, either the person giving the eulogy is not ready to do so, or um, there is, you know, much that can go unsaid that would perhaps be better unsaid, <laughs> if that makes sense. Why do you ask? Well, I was, I mean, if this is a celebration of life, shouldn't we allow more than one eulogy or whoever wants to speak about that person speak? Oh, and I think the liturgy itself, which is a celebration of life, but also a liturgical celebration of praying for the person is not, you know, like I think people for the visitation or even at the committal, then sure. Anyone that wants to talk would, could talk, but at the mass itself, at the liturgy itself, it's the focus is more on what we're doing in our prayer rather than just like a memorial. Does that make sense? Rather than just a retelling of the person's life. That's perfect. Yeah. I'll, 
I'll share. I actually this week didn't write these questions. I was on the phone earlier with your friend, Father Peter Marshall, and he wrote all of these dumb questions for me this week. He <laughs> thought you would be the right person to ask them. That's why they're all controversial and difficult. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is. And trying to make people sad. I allow eulogies at funerals. We do them after the uh, communion <laughs> and they're always beautiful and, and they're fine. But there's, you know, there's a, a fine line. Sometimes, sometimes eulogies can can uh, not serve their their purpose and function. Well, perfect. I'll bet that this will get Father Peter to actually listen to the podcast. It if I tell him he, you answered all of his questions and you did yeah, so. I, I feel like a politician, a politician being forced to walk a tightrope. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Father Tim, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Father. Thanks for listening to All Set for Sunday. We hope your children behave during Mass this week.